You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Thank you, Ezra and Aubrey, for that great song this morning. As you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter number 11, I would like to ask you a question. Have you ever had doubts about God? Doubts about the Bible? Maybe even doubts about your salvation, whether or not you really know the Lord or not? If so, I hope to encourage you today as I introduce you to a man, a great man, and really a godly man, a giant of a man who struggled with doubt. I want to state very plainly that it is absolutely not God's will for you to be dominated by doubt. His desire is for you and me to have full assurance. Amen. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Maybe you've even asked yourself the question, what kind of person could doubt God? Well, let's meet a man today who had his doubts in Matthew chapter number 11. And let's look, if you would please, at verses 2 and 3. The Bible says, Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? In other words, he was sent his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you really the Messiah? Are you who you say you are? Are you who I've been proclaiming you to be? And so John the Baptist had his doubts. As we consider this thought today, dealing with doubt. Now let's look a little bit about this man, John the Baptist. He's a very familiar man in Scripture. John the Baptist is the famous forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ and of the New Covenant. He was prophesied in the Old Testament. Matthew chapter 3 verse 3 declares, For this is he that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. He was prophesied in the Old Testament. His birth is recorded in Luke 1 as a miracle. He was born to Mary's barren older cousin, Elizabeth. Now, he was known for his fiery preaching. In Matthew 3, verse number 2, John the Baptist came on the scene, and the Bible says, he said, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He come forth preaching uh, with a fiery message. We see he was known for his fiery preaching, but he was also known for his fabulous proclamation in John chapter 1 and verse 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, what a proclamation that is, which taketh away the sin of the world. He got to be the one to announce the appearing of Christ. 
<laughs> Oftentimes, I think about when people are giving a, a big speech or those that will be inducted into the Hall of Fame or something, it's always a big question. Who are you going to get to introduce you? And they always get someone very significant to introduce them. Well, when Jesus was about to step out on the stage, he said, I want John the Baptist to be the one to make my introduction. Behold, the Lamb of God. So we see his, uh, his fiery preaching, his fabulous proclamation, but we see here his final predicament. In verse number 2, where was John the Baptist? The Bible says in, John, or in Matthew 11, verse 2, he had heard in the prison. He was in prison for preaching against Herod's adultery, standing for the word of God, doing what he was called to do, and now here he is in prison. And then also, what our message about it today is his faith problem. His faith problem. Verse 3, And he said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? This amazing man who was used by God and being used by God in such a mighty way doubted whether or not Jesus was who he said he was. He thought to himself, have I made a mistake? Had he been a fool to preach and, and proclaim Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, the, the anointed one that would come? What could possibly make such a man as this doubt? I believe that it, that it may be some of the same things that are at the root of our doubts. So today I want to look this morning at, number one, the cause of doubt as we deal with the subject, dealing with doubt. The first thing, the cause of doubt. What are some of the things that can cause you to doubt? Well, number one, we mentioned it already. Sometimes our present situation can cause us to doubt. John's present situation was prison. Everything had been going great. Jesus had arrived. People were coming in the droves to hear John the Baptist preach, to be baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. Everything seemed to be going just the way John thought they should go. John could see the fulfillment of that which he had dreamed about since he was just a boy. He, he could see already and imagine Jesus sitting on the throne in Jerusalem. He could see Caesar deposed and taken down. All of this seemed to be right within reach. I mean, this thing was moving. There was a movement going on. But then all of a sudden... He gets locked up. He's imprisoned. And I'm sure at first, it probably just felt like a temporary setback. However, after a while in prison, it became clear that his own death, John the Baptist's death, was imminent. It became come very clear that the setting up of Jesus' kingdom was becoming less likely. So his, his present circumstances, see, life, that is all sunshine and gentle breezes doesn't really require much faith, does it? Things are going good. Things are going wonderful. I mean, the bank account's full. Your portfolio, your retirement portfolio is just looking tremendous. Everybody's healthy. All the bills are paid. I mean, you get, you're going on vacation, whatever the case may be. Everything is going so well. 
Well, there's not a lot of doubts take place during those times. But when our faith is put to the test, when the storms of life inevitably come, you know, we could look at what we've gone through here in our country in recent days, a storm of life, uh, things that are beyond our control. And all of a sudden, when fear and calamity come into our life like a whirlwind, when things are no longer going good, when all of a sudden it seems like, you know, here we are just wondering what happened, what in the world's going on, then doubts can begin to creep in. And, uh, and, and then, if we're not careful, we'll start looking at the things that are seen rather than the things that are unseen. Now, as if John's circumstances weren't bad enough, his present situation weren't bad enough, add to this that there's no record of the Lord Jesus Christ ever going and visiting John in prison. There's no record of Jesus sending a message to John while he was in prison. See, this could be construed from John as neglect on the Lord's part. He could see this as the Lord forgetting about him. His faith in Christ at the point in time where he's at here in chapter 11 of Matthew could have been shocked. Now I wonder today, have you been there? Terrible circumstances are bad enough. But when you add to it that he felt like God had deserted him, man, that can bring in a hopeless feeling. And that can produce doubt. All right? So our present situation can sometimes bring about doubt. The second thing that can bring doubt about is not only the, our present situation, but also our perception of the Scriptures. Our perception of the Scriptures. Notice with me again Matthew 11, verse 3. And he said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? That word another right there simply means a different kind. <laughs> Are we, look, we were looking to you, Lord, but I don't think you're the kind. See, he, he had a different perception of the Scriptures. As I alluded to earlier, the prophecies concerning the Lord Jesus Christ were misunderstood by the vast multitude of people, if not all the people, including his disciples, including his disciples up to the point to where Jesus was ascending up into heaven after his 40 days after his resurrection on earth. They still thought, okay, Lord, are you setting up your kingdom now? <laughs> but, uh, uh, but, but Jesus said, that, that's, that, that's none of your business, amen? That's, that's not what you need to know. And then he just said, in the meantime, you go and preach the gospel till I do come and set up my kingdom. And let me uh, interject something right here. Praise the Lord, he is coming again, amen? Uh, next week, Lord willing, I plan on preaching perhaps a message on what in the world's going on and thinking about some of the prophetic implications of what we are experiencing today uh, in our country and in our world. But regardless, they were confused by what is it, Lord? They thought he was going to set up his earthly kingdom. See, what John was experiencing, listen, what John was going through, what John was experiencing in his life did not match up. It did not jive with his, uh, with his perception of the Scriptures, with his paradigm of the Scriptures. See, some doubt their salvation, for instance, because they misunderstand the Scripture. 
I think about, we'll just take an example. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. The Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. What a wonderful verse. Amen. What a wonderful promise. But the Bible says we're a new creature in Christ. But then someone looks at that verse and says, Well, I think I'm a new creature, but man, I still struggle with past sins. Maybe I'm not saved. Or they hear, they hear a remarkable testimony of conviction from someone who was saved from a life of sin, many years in sin. I, I can think about people I know. I think about one of my mentors that was a, a, you know, a man in his mid-20s and was living a wicked life. And uh, man, God began to work on his heart about being saved. God began to, and I'm telling you, it, it was over a period of weeks, man. He started losing sleep. He started losing his appetite. He got to the point to where all he could think about was going to hell. All he could think about was his lost condition. And, uh, and finally, man, finally he uh, went to church, that, the, the, the church where his wife had been trying to get him to go. And he got saved by the grace of God. That's a wonderful testimony, amen. I'm so glad God uh, got a hold of that man's heart, amen. Praise the Lord for that. But what happens is sometimes you can hear that testimony and you think to yourself, well, man, I never went through anything like that. I was never under conviction for weeks at a time. Man, I heard the message. I realized I needed to be saved. The Lord convicted my heart and showed me right there, and I asked the Lord to save me. I knew I needed Him, so I called on Him. I mean, I, I, I think of another lady that I knew from years ago. Uh, she was going through the same thing to the point where she bought a new bed because she thought, well, maybe that'll help me sleep. But what it was, she'd lay down in bed at night and think about where am I going to spend eternity. I often think of Lydia's conversion in Acts chapter number 16. I imagine perhaps, you know, just for instance, imagine Lydia and the Apostle Paul in the same service. And imagine in that service that the, the pastor opens up the opportunity and says, Does, would anybody like to tell us about when you come to the Lord, about when you were saved? And I can imagine the Apostle Paul standing up over here and saying, Oh man, let me tell you, uh, I, was, I was lost in religion. I was out trying to persecute and kill Christians. And, uh, and, and, but, but as I did that, along the way one day I heard a message by Stephen. And from the time I heard that message on Stephen, man, I couldn't get away from there. There was something working on my heart. And then finally, as I was on my more letters to persecute more Christians, to shut more churches down. All of a sudden, a bright light out me. And man, a voice from heaven called my name. And I fell down in the dirt and I called the Lord. And man, he smote me with blindness. And I didn't see for several days. And can't you just imagine people, wow, what a testimony. And it is a great testimony. And then here's Lydia, and somebody says, well, Lydia, would you like to tell us about when you got saved? And Lydia says, I sure would, praise the Lord. One day I was by the riverside, and the apostle Paul came and shared the gospel with me, and the Lord opened up my heart, and I accepted Christ right then and there. Now, one sounds super exciting, one sounds just okay, 
But they, the, the, the bottom line is the same. They were both people who saw their need for Christ. They're both people that repented and turned to Christ. But you can see, not everybody's story has to be the same. What are you talking about? I'm talking about people's perception. The perception of Scripture. Uh, well, man, the Lord says the Spirit of God will convict you of sin and, and, and so forth and judgment and righteousness when He comes. And He absolutely does that. But for some people, he doesn't have to work on for weeks at a time. Man, he shows them they need to be saved, and they get saved, all right? And so, uh, and so uh, Paul is a good example of that. I remember like it was yesterday, all right, my own experience. It was a beautiful Sunday morning. I was joyfully enjoying the, the church services at Harvest Baptist Church in Bessemer City, North Carolina, as a new convert, I was just recently saved. I mean, man, just a beautiful day. I was enjoying the singing. I was enjoying the preaching. But as my pastor got down toward the close of his message, I remember he, him saying this. He said, you must say the sinner's prayer in order to be saved. <laughs> and beloved, I want to tell you, now understand, what's the sinner's prayer? What I understood, we're talking about perception here, what I understood the sinner's prayer to be was uh, these exact words. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Please come into my heart and my life and be my Lord and Savior. That's what I understood. That was my perception of the sinner's prayer. So I want to tell you something right now. When I heard those words, I mean, because uh, those words are not the words I used when I called on the Lord. I didn't use those exact words. And just like that, my heart sunk to the bottom of the Mariana Trench, man. I mean, just going from praise the Lord, this is great, to all of a sudden, oh my goodness, I'm in trouble. Doubt came in that quick. Many of you know what I'm talking about. Doubt came in just that quick. You say, well, what did you do? I got home that afternoon. I prayed the sinner's prayer a half a dozen times that afternoon. Dear Lord Jesus, I know, and I went through it. Now, when did you get saved? I got saved back when the Lord saved me weeks before that, not by saying those words. Now, what are we thinking about here? What caused that doubt? It was my perception. See, the problem certainly wasn't with the Scripture. The Scripture was, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And from our hearts, we must call out to the Lord. So the problem certainly wasn't with the Scripture. And truly, the problem wasn't with my pastor either. Because he was not saying that I had to say these exact words to be saved. He was just simply saying that you must call on the Lord to be saved. That's all he was saying. From your heart, you must call on the Lord. Because it's about the heart. It's not about the words. Amen? And you may ask the question, well, what words did you use when you asked the Lord to save you? I don't really remember, to be honest with you. But you want to know something else I don't uh, remember? I don't remember what I said on my wedding day. I don't remember what I said as I stood before that pastor and I gave my vows to be married to my wife. I don't remember what I said. But I, I do know one thing, I'm married. Amen. I know that was the result of it. And I don't know what I said when I asked the Lord to save me, when I called on Him from my heart. But I'll tell you what I do know. I know I called on Him from my heart. Amen. And I know that He saved my soul. Amen. So anyway, uh, so there is our perception. So sometimes what causes us to doubt, there may be other things, but our present situation, our perception of the Scriptures, lastly I'll mention quickly, personal sin. Personal sin. Have you ever sinned? 
Have you sinned since you've accepted Christ as your Savior? Have you failed? See, one of the most common causes of doubt results from our personal and spiritual failures. Uh, I remember uh, that my pastor would often say, sometimes he, he would say this, where there's doubt, there's dirt. A lot of times the reason we're doubting is that we sin or we just see the inherent sinfulness of our old nature. And we think to ourselves, how can I be saved and still be so rotten? How can I be saved and still be so stinking rotten? Personal sin. And then by the way, you know what, you know what the answer to that question is? Because we are rotten, amen? Our old nature is just as rotten as it has ever been. Amen. Salvation is not about uh, us becoming good. It's about His goodness being put on the inside of us. Amen. And it's about giving in to uh, and allowing the Spirit of God to work through our hearts and our lives and live His life through us. It's not about our efforts. It's about His power through our lives. So the first thing we see there is uh, the cause of doubt. Then next I want to look at quickly conquering doubt. Conquering doubt. Look in Matthew 11 once again. Read with me, please, verses 4 through 6. This is very important. Jesus answered and said unto them. So here's what he has to say to these messengers. Go and show John again those things which you do hear and those things which you see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf here the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. How do we conquer doubt? And by the way, you must conquer this doubt if you're going to win. You must conquer this doubt. You must beat it. Well, you say, preacher, how am I going to beat it? I have the toughest time with this doubt. Well, I'll tell you, I believe the, the number one way we'll beat it is through the faithful word. Amen? The faithful word. What did he say? Go tell John the things that you've heard. We've got to hear. Hear the word. Now, the Lord's words that I just read to you, verses 4 through 6, Jesus didn't just randomly say these words. These words had some significance to them. What did he say there in the first part of verse 5? The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up. You know what Jesus was doing in verses 4 through 6? He was giving scripture to John. See, he was giving him Isaiah 35 verses 4 through 6 where the Bible says, Even God will come and save you. And when God comes to save you, here's what it's going to look like. The eyes of the blind shall be opened. <laughs> and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as an heart. And the tongue of the dumb shall sing. <laughs> you know what Jesus did? Jesus said, you go over to, you tell John to turn over there to Isaiah 35 and hear what I'm saying. And look at what I'm doing. 
But he didn't stop there. The last part of verse 5, he says, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. He said, furthermore, I want to remind John of Isaiah 61, verse 1, where the Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because these are the words that the Messiah would say when he came. The Spirit of the Lord, God, are upon me because the Lord hath anointed me, made me the Messiah, anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and to opening of the prison to them that are bound. See, he was sent to preach the gospel. And he's saying, I'm fulfilling Isaiah 61 verse 1. And then in verse 6 of Matthew 11, he says, And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. He said, Remind John of Isaiah chapter 8, verses 14 through 15. And he shall be for a sanctuary, but a stone of stumbling. So for those who believe, he'll be a sanctuary, but a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel. Many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken. What is he saying? Don't be offended, amen? Don't stumble in me or over me, John. So what's the message? The message is this. Trust the firm facts, not our fickle feelings. I know that I'm saved today. Why? Because the Bible says so. I know that I'm saved based on the Word of God. Amen. Here. See, I know that He convicted me. I know that I repented and believed. In so other words, when I think about my salvation, you say, Preacher, do you feel saved today? That's beside the point. You know what? When I was, when I was a new Christian, I used to think a lot about how I felt. But I don't pay a lot of attention to it now. Why? Because it doesn't really matter. Because it's not about our feelings, it's about faith. Amen? There's, I, I suppose if I had to think about it, most of the time I don't feel saved. When we're in those bad situations I was referring to earlier, I probably don't feel saved then. But you know what? It doesn't matter whether or not I feel, saved, or not I feel saved. I know I'm saved. Why? Because I can look, I can see what the Bible says. I can look back, as we see here in a moment, because he said, I want you to tell him what you have uh, heard, tell him what you have saw. So I've heard the word of God, then I've seen what God's word has done in my life. See, I know that he convicted me. I know that I repented and turned to him. I know that I believed the gospel and was thus changed. And I know that I can't quite enjoy sin the way I used to enjoy sin. See, the faithful word, but not only the faithful word, how can we conquer doubt? Through the word of God. Get in the Bible. Well, I don't know. I don't feel very saved today. Beside the point, what's the Bible say about it? And you're going to tell you something else. Isn't it an amazing thing that before I was saved, I never doubted whether or not I was saved. How about you? Before I was saved, I never, uh, I never spent any time thinking, man, I wonder if I'm saved. I wonder if I'm not saved. You know why? Because I wasn't saved and the devil wasn't fighting me and the, and the flesh wasn't fighting me. But now it does. But the faithful word, also another way to conquer our doubts, is through, our, through faithful works. See, he said, hear and see. Look at what God's done in your life. Look at what God's, I can look and see what God's done in my life. And man, 
there's the old song somebody wrote and said, there's no need to doubt him now. Amen. He, he's, come th he's done too much. He's come through. I can see what my God has done. For those who would doubt the existence of God, look to the skies. Look to creation. See. See what God has done. Uh, you know, there's... The, 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 there's not a true scientific explanation for the universe and for creation apart from God. Now, there's theories, but I'm telling you, true science has to recognize that for all this design, there had to be a designer. Amen? And so uh, we see the faithful works of God. We see the faithful witness. The Bible says, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. 1 John 5.10 Romans chapter 8 verse 16 says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So we see the faithful word. How can we conquer doubt? The faithful word of God, the faithful works of God, and the faithful witness of God within us. Notice the last thing here this morning. In verse number, uh, let's see, in verse number 7, we see the commending Savior. The commending Savior. And yes, I said the commending Savior, not the condemning Savior. I want to emphasize that. Why? Because here's this great man. The Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. Think about all that was given to this man. Think about the fact that this man, all the things that he had seen, all, that he, all who he was. And now he's doubting whether or not this is the one that, that should come? I mean, I suppose Jesus would have a right, wouldn't he, to say, you know what, you go tell John that I'm really disappointed in him. You go tell John that it hurt me deeply that he didn't think I was the Messiah. You go tell him that. And you go tell him that, uh, you know, if he does this, that, and the other thing, maybe I'll forgive him for it. He doesn't do that at all. And let me tell you something today. He doesn't do that with you either. These men turn, they, they walk back, and they're, they're heading back to the prison to give John the message. And as they leave, they hear these words from the Lord Jesus Christ. What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that they wear soft clothing are of king's houses. But what went ye out to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. He reminds him of his position of His calling, of who He is in Himself. You need to remember, you know what God wants to remind you of when you're doubting? He doesn't want you to say, He don't want to say to you, how dare you? How could you be so foolish? How could you be of such little faith? You know what He wants to do? He wants to say, no, you're the one that I wrote about and knew a long time ago. But He didn't stop there. He had another message that these men heard as they walked away. Verily I say unto you, 11.11 of Matthew, Verily I say unto you, Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Think about that. 
See, that was the message that he had. He said, this is a great man. See, don't beat yourself up over your doubts and cause yourself to doubt that much more. No, get into what God's Word says, amen, the faithful Word of God, the faithful works of God, the faithful Spirit of God. Get assurance, amen. I mean, make up your mind today. See, the Lord does not want us to live in doubt. Doubt, with doubt comes fear and hopelessness. That's not where God wants us to live. He says we're more than conquerors. He wants us to live in victory. See, we aren't worthy, but He is worthy. And He wants you and He wants me to have His very best. No longer should doubt be a welcome guest in your life and in your mind and in your heart. He must be evicted. Doubt, you are out of here. You have the power, you have the authority to expel doubt from your life. Some of you may say, I just can't stop doubting. Please understand this today. That's your decision. That's your decision. It's your choice. Please today, please, I beseech you, I beg you, choose faith and facts over feelings and fear. Please choose faith and facts over feeling and fear. Perhaps indeed today you aren't saved. By all means, turn to Him today. Call on Him today because I've got good news for you. Man, He came to save. Amen. He come up to bind. He come to bind the brokenhearted. He come to seek and to save that which was lost. If you don't know Christ today, you can call on Him today. If you do know Christ and you have called on Him, I want you to thank Him. I want you right now to say, Lord, I want to thank you for saving my soul. Lord, I don't feel it, and I know I don't always live up, but Jesus, I want to thank you that you always live up to who you're supposed to be. I want to thank you for saving my soul. I want you to rejoice in that today. But if you're not saved, here's what I want you to do. I want you to humble yourself. And I want you right now, as we close this message out, to pray along with me and acknowledge before God that you are a sinner. Are you willing to repent, to turn from your sin today and turn to Christ? If you are, I've got good news. He'll save your soul. All you must simply do, the Bible says, is call on the name of the Lord. And so would you pray with me today? Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. God, I'm sorry for my sin. I repent of my sin today and I ask you to come into my heart and into my life and be my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for salvation. Thank you for the assurance of salvation. You know the only thing better than being saved is knowing you're saved. Amen. Get that assurance today. Amen. God bless you this morning. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll look forward to uh, being with you next time.